Hi, I'm Todd Brilliant, and welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we're just trying to make the world eh, 10% nicer. I mean, that's the starting point. We'll go up from there. Uh, this week's guest is the amazing Andreas Varios, a.k.a. Mr. NYC Subway. We're going to talk about him in just a second, but let's talk about for a second ah, the Super Nice Club. You can learn more about us on Instagram or Facebook at, at Super Nice Club or find us online at superniceclub.com where you can get details about, like I said, you know, our mission to make the world a nicer place. Also at the site, there's a bunch of really cool, super nice merchandise. Shirts, hats, stickers, and more to help you spread the word in your community around the simple idea of niceness. Because it's awesome. It is. Being nicer is a great thing. Especially these days. That's all I have to say about that. But check it out. If your nice merchandise doesn't help start nice conversations, you get your money back. No problem. No questions asked. It's crazy. You know, obviously I wear this stuff all the time. People come up to me all the time. And ask about it. And then you get in these conversations about, well, what does that mean? It's super nice, you know, uh, be nicer or uh, I believe in a nicer world. It's like, well, I do. Don't you? Oh, it can be hard sometimes. And then you have conversations and you meet people. It's great. Just saying. Don't knock it till you've tried it. Oh, you can also text nice work. Last thing. You can also text nice work. Like the words nice work. I'm, I'm making little quotation marks, rabbit things, you know, with my fingers. Uh, to 310-421-0393, 310-421-0393, to join our Super Nice Club Insider Community. You'll get invited to events, giveaways. We gave away so much stuff last week, like 15 different things. Even gave away like some Gravity Falls toys. It has nothing to do with Super Nice Club, but <laughs> that's the insiders. The insiders is crazy, weird, different stuff. Local gatherings, you get invited to, and more. So text nice work to that number. Anyway, on to the guest, the guest, Andreas Varios, Mr. NYC Subway. If you have the interwebs handy as you listen, type in at Mr. NYC Subway. N is in uh, Nimitz. N is in USS Nimitz, uh, YC Subway. Like, you know, New York. Anyway, on Instagram or TikTok, so you can follow along with pictures. Andreas is a New York City photographer and lawyer whose work, primarily of, of the New York City subway and its crazy colorful characters, is blowing up big time all around the world. So lucky to have him on the show. He's got over a million followers on TikTok, and he's working with a number of the most talented creators and coveted brands around. And he's a super good looking dude who now leads a triple life as a lawyer, photographer, and yep, model. Not that I'm jealous. Not at all. Nope. Mm-mm. So, I'm a little jealous. But a couple of years ago, Andreas was riding the subway. This, this is what I love. This is, and we'll get into this more, but I'm just gonna tease it. Uh, and a sudden shift in perspective changed his life. I call these sudden shifts epiphanies because poof, everything changes. Uh, most people call them epiphanies. Whatever, he had one, and uh, the story is a great one. So you'll get a lot out of that one. And there's a lot of wisdom. Dude's, dude is, is uh, pitching some wisdom and inspiration. A lot of wisdom coming in the next 45 minutes or so, including things like why lack of skill won't stop someone with a bunch of passion from winning, uh, the proper way to build your side hustle and do a main event, 
and uh, the curse of, of living the quote-unquote, again, the little quote marks, perfect life, when you don't have anything that really lights your fire. You know, you're not getting up excited for anything. Yeah, you got the money, you got the stuff, the house, the person, but <clears throat> you're missing it, right? Then there's something you can do about that. So listen in. It's a great show. And I, for one, left the recording booth thinking, damn, I need to up my game. And I think I have. I mean, for a couple days. We'll see if it lasts. Okay, super nice club update. Super nice club update. The Humans Live Here campaign is being taken up right now by super nice club member Gretchen Goss in Healdsburg, California, in wine country, where they're dealing with a lot of unsheltered people. So the Humans Live Here campaign is super nice club has signs and you can message me. I'll get them to you. I'll get you the artwork for them. They're they're like political uh, yard signs, you know, that like the president signs. Who's running this year? Like Dukakis versus, I don't remember. Uh, and they're yellow with big black letters that say, humans live here with a little super nice club logo. Just this idea that reminding people that the unsheltered among us are human beings and they're every bit as human as anyone else. You think it's obvious, but it's not. I see it all the time. I see people uh, treating the unsheltered really poorly. You ever, you ever heard of Nextdoor, that sort of like community website thing? Man, people on Nextdoor are wicked mean, wicked mean when they're talking about the unsheltered. And it's sad. So the Humans Live Here campaign is just, you know, you put these signs up at the tents, at the shelters, and also in your yard to show the link. Hey, humans, whether you have a house or you have a tent, we're all people, we all have stories, and everyone got to where they're at through a very individual very personal path. And if you think that's never going to happen to you, you'd be amazed, at least in the United States, how thin the barrier is. And when I go out and talk to these people that are unsheltered, I have talked to former lawyers that don't have drug problems. You know, there just isn't a lot of resilience in our community for us as individuals. That's what the Humans Live Here campaign is about. And that's uh, going right now strong up in Sonoma County, California. We also got some new merch in. Yep, going to plug the new merch. My favorite yet. I'm wearing it. Listen. Yep. Does that sound like a baseball cap? A snapback? It is. Yeah. It's baby blue, white logo. It says just 10% nicer. No, it just says 10% nicer on the back. So it just says 10% nicer. There we go. Uh, we got the silver and black hats back for the first time since COVID and a new gray dad cap style. Can't say I dig the sort of slouchiness of the dad caps, but LA artist and really great guy. Thank you, X. Uh, look up Thank You X on Instagram. Uh, told me we have to have them. So now we do. Now we have them. Thank You X. Thank you. We have dad caps. And, and there's more stuff coming in for Christmas because uh, the mail is slow and just it's that time. Isn't that weird that it's Christmas time? Anyway, if you really want to know what's up with the Super Nice Club, whew, nervous time. Our official business plan, financial projections and modeling, it's all done. Yeah. We're going to be casting around for some funding to really blow this thing up. Start it for real with a parallel foundation and just really fully realize our role in making this world a nicer place. With your help, of course. So please, wish us luck. Lastly, I got I to gotta tell you something. This just came to me. I'm really starting to enjoy doing these podcasts. I was really afraid of it at first. And now, I mean, I know I'm not the best or even the top 20% of podcasters. But my guests are, and I'm finally starting to feel kind of comfortable and enjoy the interviews. And honestly, I'm being more present 
while I'm while I'm talking to the super nice guests. And that's taking some time. And no doubt 50 episodes from now, I'll look back and cringe at what I'm doing right now. You know, that I've converted a bathroom, a pool bathroom into the, the podcast. And I'll cringe at, at how I'm presenting and all that. But that's okay because I'm finally having fun with this and I hope it's starting to show a little bit. I hope it is. Always room for improvement. So feedback is wonderful. Leave it on Instagram. Call me, message me. Uh, I guess Facebook. Anyway. So turn off everything else. Tune out the rest of the world and drop in to nice work with Andreas Varios, Mr. NYC Subway. So, hey, Andreas, welcome to Super Nice Club. Welcome to the Nice Work Podcast. Really appreciate your time today. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you for having me. So you're out in New York, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I live in Manhattan in South Brooklyn or in South Harlem, close to uh, Central Park. Oh, that's a great spot to be. When you moved to New York, you were saying that you had a hard time on the subway. The subway for the first couple of years of your job, you were just like, man, this is a grind. The city that I see around me is tough and, and a little bit ugly and people are kind of just down and you, you weren't having a great time and you, you were frustrated all the time every day. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, two, two and a half years of taking the subway, commuting to and from work and, and traveling, you know, to visit friends and whatever it is, it's a, you know, you spend a good amount of time on, on commuting on the subway. And what I realized is that, you know, all the negative things that I was experiencing on the subway from, you know, uh, people not talking to each other, people not looking at each other during my morning commute or down and out sob stories, uh, you know, of, of people getting on the train and asking for money. And again, whether it's true or not, whatever the story is, they're in a terrible position and you're forced because mm-hmm. you're on a very intimate train car. You're forced to, to make a decision, either acknowledge them and say, Hey, you know, how can I help you? Like, here's some food I have, or here's some money or, or not acknowledge them and just kind of keep your head down. But you have to make a decision. It's not like when you're walking by on the street and someone's on the side with a cup, cup of coffee, empty cup and saying, Hey, give me some money. You can just walk right by that person. You don't really have yeah. to make a decision. Yeah. So I think after, you know, years of kind of experiencing this, um, I started to get, you know, a lot of my negativity was being pulled out on the subway. And what I realized at the end of the day is that it wasn't the subway necessarily that was the negative thing. And in, in essence, in, in some ways, yes, there's a lot of negativity on the subway, but it was more me internally who was negative. I, you know, I, I hadn't found my passion. I haven't hadn't found like my purpose in life, even though everything on paper was great. I had a legal career, you know, working at Goldman Sachs. I had a beautiful girlfriend. I was working out at Equinox. All the things on paper were great, but internally I wasn't content. And so I love that you said you were working out at Equinox. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I <laughs> no, that. it's cool. I get it. That's kind of like the thing you come to New York, you know, yeah, you absolutely. Got the apartment, you know? Yeah. Even having that that kind of ideal life, lifestyle, I wasn't happy. And it just goes to show you how bad I was yearning for my passion. Like I needed to find my passion. Otherwise, I could have the most I- ideal lifestyle but still not be happy. And I think that goes to like the saying, like money won't buy you happiness, right? You could be the richest person in the world. But if you don't have a passion, if you don't have a purpose – that, that's not going to make you happy. It will, it will bring you excitement. It will bring you dopamine for a little bit, but it will start to run its course and you'll gravitate back to who you really are. And if you're not a happy person, that, that side of you is going to keep coming out and you're going to feel it. You know, you can't hide from it. The subway was really pulling that side out of me and making me realize like, man, I'm not 
I'm not where I want to be. I'm not happy. Um, and it made me realize I need to make a change. There's something I need to do to change. And, and the first thought was like, well, maybe I need to leave New York. Maybe this yeah. is the city for me, or maybe I should stop commuting on the subway. Like I should get a bike. Um, all those thoughts transpired. But what the universe kind of whispered to me was like, no, 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 you need to change your perspective down here. And you need to start focusing on the positive things and the creative things, because that's what the subway is. It's, it's a, it's a environment that is polar ends of the spectrum, right? Polar opposite ends of the spectrum. It's a lot of negativity and it's a lot of cool, creative positivity. Um, and, and I say, basically, once I made my switch from focusing on the negative things to the positive things, and again, positive things being, um, you know, the architecture, right? The, the subway yeah. system itself to the performers down there, you know, people who are singing, who are dancing to really what it comes down to, though, it's the people of New York. Those that's what makes New York so cool and so creative is when you sit on a train or stand on a train and you just look around and be fully present. You will see something cool. You'll see someone knitting a blanket. You'll see someone making music, whatever it is, but you will see something cool and interesting if you want to look for it. Now, if you want to sit there and look at the people who are, you know, not looking at each other, eyes closed or, you know, negative things kind of happen, you can look for that and you'll find it too. So really at the end of the day, I just made this shift in my perspective and then it, it started to evoke this creative side of me. I started taking pictures on my iPhone. And then I bought my first DSLR camera and I started doing collaborations and then it evolved into what it, to what it is today, which is a gazillion different things as a creator. But none of this I saw happening uh, from the beginning. It's just, again, been this gradual evolution, but it all started with something intuitively telling me you need to shift your perspective. And once that's fantastic, it, 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 it yeah. snowballed. That perspective shift is such is such a huge lesson because if if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably gone through this experience in your life where you aren't sure if if you if where you're living is where you need to be. You're like, ah, you know, everything sucks here. Maybe I just need to move to Chicago or maybe I need to move to this small town. And then you do it and then you move and you move again. I mean, I've done it, right? But sometimes you also realize maybe it's not the city. Maybe it's me. Maybe I need to shift my perspective. Maybe this town is awesome and I'm not giving it a fair chance. Maybe the people around me are awesome and I'm just in a mood and an unhappy space where I, I can't be at my best and I can't mesh with any city, let alone this one. And that's a really hard, difficult conversation for us to have with ourselves because oftentimes doing that work, coming to the, the realization that you need to change you know, maybe you have some self-destructive habits, uh, can be harder than just moving to a different city. These are lessons I've learned personally. I've been on both sides. You know, I've moved when I shouldn't have moved. I've resisted realizing that there were a lot of work that I've had to do within myself. Uh, and then I've also had perspective shifts like you were talking about that have just made mountains fall right in front of me. I'm like, wow, there was no mountain there. There was a beautiful meadow the whole time. What an idiot I am. Well, and that's the crazy part, right? Like what I hated, and I used to say, I hate the New York city subway. What I hated ended up being my passion and discovering, you know, that I'm a photographer and content creator, but it used to be a place that I hated. So I always say that like, sometimes whatever's really affecting you in a negative way, you need to look at that thing and say, Hey, what is this thing trying to tell me? You know, or tell me about myself. And like, potentially the answer is in there. That's, that's the hard part for our minds to do sometimes is say that something is so negative and bringing out so much negative is actually the answer 
to what could could turn your life around. So I always I always like to raise that point that this used to be a place two and a half, three years ago that I hated and I knew nothing about photography. And look, look where I've shifted to today. And that kind of goes to my second point is be open to anything, right? Never stop searching for your passion and be open to anything because at the end of the day, I don't know what you believe in, if, if people believe in God or if they believe uh, in the universe or they believe in nothing, but I believe in energy and I believe in like this universal spirit. And I feel like for me, what helps me a lot is allowing that universal spirit help me. You know, I, I'm not, I don't have to do this alone. I don't have to figure out my passion by myself. Um, I'm not in a box by myself. I can let the universe help me. And that's, that's what I did. I let, I allowed the universe show me what my passion is. And I kind of, kind of just gave into it and it showed me it was the New York city subway and photography and, and I never saw it coming. So um, sometimes the crazy part is what's really driving you crazy. And what you think is like a negative thing that you hate. Um, there could be something within it that once you make a shift in your perspective and once you dig into it could end up being your, you know, your, your, your purpose in life. So that that's what happened to me. And, you know, when I go back to day one of this to now, it's just, it, it's, it is trippy to think back where this started and to where it is now. But at the end of the day, I always say this, it, it all makes sense now. Like this is who I am, but it's a little crazy. And and you have to be open to any possibility. You, you know, you can't control everything in life. If you try to control everything and dictate every outcome, like good luck. I think it's much better from my perspective to sometimes be an allowance. Sometimes let, let the universe kind of guide you and help you and don't feel like you have to, to figure everything out on your own and, and see what it presents to you. And, and again, it could be something that you never ever. And I typically find this in life that my best opportunities come unexpectedly. Like, you know, I get this opportunity to go do a, a solo show for Art Basel down at this watch company that's worth, you know, multi-million dollars. I, I got a random DM from the guy who works at the store because he saw a piece of art at Wynwood and he said, hey, we, we're always looking for an artist every year. Would you want to do it? And I'm like, I never saw that coming, but that opportunity presented itself to me. So I always say like, it's the unexpected things that happen that tend to be the best opportunities. And again, I just feel like that's the universe working and helping me. So you do a double duty grind. You're working 50, 70 hour weeks before you even start your second life as a photographer. And you've been doing this. You've been doing this for a while now. Do you, do you have any tips to share on how to stay fresh in the day job, how to keep loving it, even if you have you know, another passion that sometimes pulls your attention away where you feel like maybe you're burning out, not doing as good of a job, or maybe not being you know, as great as focused uh, of a coworker? Any thoughts on that? Um, I would just tell anyone don't be afraid to be yourself, like be yourself and go find if you're searching for something outside of work. And, you know, a big piece of advice I got is don't let one thing define you. So that resonated with me, like don't let, and that's what used to happen is I used to define myself by my job. Um, And that's all I had to really define myself by apart from a girlfriend and working out at the gym. So, you know, and and at the time I didn't love my job. So that definition of myself was affecting me because when I would go talk to my parents or friends or go out to bars and meet people, I would talk about my job, but I would hate to talk about it because I didn't love it. Right. Right. So I always say, don't let one thing define you. And and if, if work isn't your passion yet, then yeah, go find something else that makes you passionate. 
Um, and, and you, you know, again, you never know what it could be, but just kind of be open to anything, but yeah, go find that thing and let, let that define you as well. And what will happen is when you go to work and what happens to me now, and I, you know, I, now I have a great job. I have a great boss. Like things have have moved in a better direction since where I was, you know, back then. But I think a lot of that has to do with, because I'm a happier person, I'm more content with myself and your coworkers feed off that, you know, and, and your coworkers respect that. Like all my coworkers call me Dre and they, they know about my photography um, and they know what I'm doing on the weekends. And they always want to ask like, what'd you do this week and who'd you shoot with? Um, so they love hearing that side of me. Um, but of course, just, just let it be controlled. Cause you and I were talking about this. If you're always barfing on people, oh, my passion's this, and this is what I do, and I love doing it, um, right. you know, it can start to turn people off a little bit, too. So yeah. you want to be mindful that, you know, be yourself. Don't be afraid to express who you are. Don't hide who you are. Um, and I think that's the big thing at work is sometimes you want to be careful about what you do outside of work. But as long as it's a healthy activity and it's passion you know, express yourself towards it. And, you know, again, I got a lot of coworkers who love, who love golf, who love working out, who love, you know, all sorts of things, their family and, and whatever it is, they express that at work. And we all want to know at the end of the day at work, like, you know, are you a happy person? Are you content? Um, and when you come here, are you good to be around? Because yeah, uh, this is what you and I talked about too. When, when you spend eight to 10 hours a day, or sometimes 12 hours, depending on your job or even more, you actually spend more time with your coworkers than you do with your family and friends. So I think the most important factor sometimes at work is just liking who you work with. And I think if you're a passionate, uh, content person, your coworkers are going to like working with you. And again, I think that speaks more than being good at your job. You know, of course, be diligent, yeah. do a good job, uh, get the get the work done. But you know, at, in essence, a lot of people can do. You're always replaceable when it comes to the to the core of the work. But if you're a good personality and you're easy to work with and you're fun to be around, people will actually value that more than being perfect at your job. And even if you mess up at work, people will be like, "It's okay because I like you." And and not going to work with people you like makes just makes your job suck. Related to that, I will say. When you find people in your life, whether they're at work or whether they're just, you know, somebody you, you run into on the street, at least I've found that when people are passionate about what they do, like a genuine passion, like you have about what you're doing, like I have about what I'm doing and, and my work as a, as a writer, it makes them so interesting. Like I've met someone who their passion for their career, their career was, had nothing to, I had no interest before. I've met, I've met plumbers, you know, I've met people who um, run call centers of all things, but they're so passionate about it. They're so into it that it made me interested in what they're doing. Of course. It made them interesting. So it doesn't matter what their career is. If, if you're somebody who's really into what you do and maybe it's career, maybe it's not, man, that's, I'm, I'm all about it. And you, you end up, you know, I'm, we're friends. It's because that's just that ability to really plug in and get joy out of your pursuit that you would think would be common to everybody. And I actually think it is common to everybody. If, if, if you'll let yourself find it, if you let yourself go there and you'll be confident enough to tell people about your passion for this thing. Like, you know, when you started with your phone, you had all kinds of passion and very little talent. Right. I mean, you had near natural talent, but trained talent. Exactly. But passion is every bit as valuable. Exactly. Talent. And that's the thing that a lot of people forget. You know, if you're looking for your passion and you haven't found it yet, 
you know, I, I think there's two very important things. Uh, the first being that you should you should keep searching for it. And I think that's really the biggest thing with with this passion pursuit is not giving up on it and saying, hey, th- there's no such thing as a purpose for me. Uh, there's no passion out there for me. I'm just going to settle on what it is that I'm doing. So I, I definitely feel like you got to keep searching. And the second part to it is you have to be open to anything. I really love what you were talking about when we talked before this podcast about how you had found this um, tipping point. You have you were balancing your nine to five job as a lawyer with this new passion project. And all of a sudden you realize that, whoa, man, I'm putting in 10, now 15, now 30 hours a week. The thing that was the hobby is now the main thing. Do you remember that moment? Did it ever, did you just have, did you ever just wake up and realize that, man, I'm a professional photographer? You know, it's interesting. You know, I, I don't think there was ever like a, a moment, you know, where I woke up and, and real had this realization. It's, it's just this continual progression and, and, and gradual evolution of me as a person. And, and that's kind of what I say with, you know, once you start to find your passion and your purpose, uh, you know, it's not like from day one, you figured it out. But it's just this constant evolution every single day where you just you, you tap into it, you dig into it and you evolve as a person and as a creator. And then, of course, your skill set and whatever you're passionate about continues to grow. So I really feel like it's just been this continual evolution. And I still don't feel like this is, you know, my bread and butter. This is how I'm going to make a, you know, my livelihood. Right. To me, it's still this this gradual progression. But I, I will say, like. I think once I started to to do paid photo shoots, I think that's kind of, and I started to do really good paid photo shoots and started working with brands. But I'll be honest, I feel like it's been as of lately during the pandemic that I've really come to, to the realization that, hey, I'm, I am a professional photographer slash videographer and I can do really good work and I can work with anyone. I can work with brands. I can do private shoots. I can do anything uh, within my skill set and, and be successful at it. So I think as of lately, I would say the past couple months, and since I joined TikTok, you know, that really blew me up on TikTok, 1.2 million right. followers. I got like 70,000 new followers on Instagram because of TikTok. But I think that shift of momentum within social media to to really honing in on my skills and doing a lot of paid gigs uh, has really brought me to the point now where it's like, yeah, I'm a professional. You know, I could potentially, if I quit my day job, potentially, and I don't say that with a bunch of conviction yet, um, mm-hmm. I could I could support myself, but I'm not at the point yet. And and it's an interesting conversation because I'm not even sure if I could that I would want to quit my day job. I'm not. I kind of like the balance. I like the balance of having a professional side of me and using my brain in, in a different way, you know, kind of analyzing legal jargon, coming up mm-hmm. with arguments, uh, and then everything's finance. I work at a broker dealer on Wall Street. Um, so I'm working with regulations, all sorts of things like that. So that part of my brain is completely different from the part of my brain as, as being a creator. So I, I really do like the balance between the two. And it's funny, I was having this conversation with myself today, you know, being a full-time content creator um, and working with, with a brand, for example, and being basically their creative director, 
um, it's it's not easy. It's really hard. And and the thing too about it is the results are pretty obvious, right? If we go to make a post and it just sucks, it gets 10 views or 100 views, we know the job wasn't good as opposed to if it gets 500,000 or a million views, then we know the job was well done. Whereas work as a lawyer, it's like you can put together an argument and submit it. And typically it, there's not an evaluation or a feedback like that, right? Right. So, you know, I, I feel like being a lawyer, it's definitely a challenging job. Um, but being a creator, I think, is, is way harder. And I think to be at a level where you're working with brands and, and they're paying you big bucks to like to get their their products out there and you're doing great marketing and to go out and create, you know, the, you know, around your visions and create the content and then edit. Very, very challenging. So I think as of lately, to answer your question, I've had my epiphany where I think I could do this full time because I can work with brands now. I can work with uh, individuals. I, there's so many different ways I can generate income. But do I want to take that 100% leap and be 100% you know, invested in this and then turn it into this very pressured situation where right now I don't have to put too much pressure on it, right? I can work with who I want to work with. I can create content the way I want to create content because I don't depend on it for my livelihood. you know. And I have this side of me that's like, you know, I can work as a lawyer and and succeed at that and make good money doing it. And that allows for me not to put pressure on my creation process. So it's it's a really, it's an interesting question and it's an interesting point. And I always get asked this question, Andreas, when are you going to stop being a lawyer and be a full-time creator? And the answer is, I don't know. I really don't know. And I'm not there yet. And you don't have to. Exactly. And that's the thing. Right. I don't, I don't put an expectation on it. I actually enjoy the part of me that is allowing this to happen naturally. And if you know Phil Knight, uh, he started Nike, um, and he was a he was an accountant for ten years while he built Nike. Um, and I've heard so many successful entrepreneurs talk about, you know, the more you know successful and uh, proper way to build a side hustle is to build it on the side and do it for five years or 10 years till it gets to the point where you're like, financially, this will pay my bills more or, you know, at least as much as my day job or more. And I can count on it. Right. right. Um, they don't really advise that you just jump into it without a legit plan and without consistent, you know, uh, book of business and good clients paying and knowing what you can actually produce. So um, kind of like Phil Knight, I envision myself right now, just uh, appreciating my day job. Um, and then building what I have on the side, but with no expectation that, hey, this is going to take over someday. Because the honest answer is, I don't know if it will. Um, yeah. But all you can do is just keep kicking ass and keep creating and keep forming relationships and keep uh, you know, doing, doing a good job at, at your day job and just see where it takes you. But you know, I, I really wouldn't advise anyone, if you find your passion as a baker, to just quit your day job and go open up a bakery shop. Cause you know what? You'll probably fail because there are so many nuances to having your own business that, that are, is, is extremely challenging and you only will learn how to get through those things over time, you know, and so, if you have a financial plan, you'll be screwed. And you're just not going to be a great baker right away. Yeah, Even exactly. If you think you are, you're probably not. It just takes exactly. so much practice. Like when you first started, we'll get back into this again. You know, you, you you grew this really quickly, but you were using your iPhone. You weren't 
a quote unquote a real photographer, but that didn't that didn't stop you. You had the the passion and the conviction to just go through it. But at the time, did you ever feel at all sort of intimidated around quote unquote real photographers? No. So <laughs> this is how naive I was back then, right? Again, the less I knew, uh, the less I realized how you know not qualified or good I was back then. Um, and it's one of those things they, they say, the more, you know, the more you realize, the less, you know, basically. Right. Right. So, Absolutely. But I, I used to go to photo shoots back then. And this is the funny part. I used to go to photo shoots and they weren't paid. Everything back then was like collaborations, uh, you know, build my portfolio. But I remember on one, one photo shoot, I was using my DSLR camera and I would show, show the, you know, the person I'm collaborating with the photo. And they say, it looks a little overexposed. Um, and they're like, maybe you should turn down your ISO. And I looked at them and I said, what's the ISO? Like, I had no idea what an ISO was. Like, even though I thought in my head, I'm taking amazing photos. I know everything about my camera. But it was one of those moments like, holy crap, I don't know anything about ISO, shutter, you know, manual settings, right? Okay. You were rocking automatic the whole time. Yeah, exactly. I was just shooting automatic and then I would progress to TV, AV. And then I started to learn, Hey, okay, I need to shoot in manual mode. But another thing I used to do on my early photo shoots is my lens. And I didn't, I I didn't realize back then why my lens didn't do well as a basic kit lens. It was like an 18 to 55 millimeter, but the aperture was like a a five stop. So yeah, I couldn't get good portrait shots where there's like nice blur in the background and bokeh. Yeah, and I had no idea why. It was because my aperture on the lens was terrible. Um, so what I would do is I would go to photo shoots with my iPhone X, and I would pull out my iPhone X for portrait photos. And they're like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "This this phone does amazing portrait photos." And I would just take photos on my iPhone X. But that's how kind of crazy and naive I was back then. That like I'm getting the job done, and and the photos were great. Like they were still really good. Yeah, you got but the job that done. Just showed you how little I knew back then. But I was still like, it didn't, it didn't stop me from pursuing any photo shoot or anything. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't think of myself as a less qualified photographer back then. And people must have okay. just felt your passion and then wanted to help you out. Am I right? Exactly. exactly. That's exactly. And, and it, it goes back to this conversation of like energy, you know, positive energy, negative energy, confident energy, not confident energy. And every photo shoot I go to, I always have an energy that's like, we're going to come here and we're going to create something amazing. And that's who I was back then. And that's who I continue to be now. And that's one thing I never want to lose because as soon as I lose my energy, my passion, um, the photo shoots won't be as good because that's what makes a, a photo shoot successful is you come in as a photographer, you know what you want, you have vision shots, you're confident, and then your subject, your model is going to feed off that. And right away, you guys are going to get in a flow. And once you get in that flow from there, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. That makes all the difference. Yeah. Your subject, if you're a photographer, if, if they're not feeling it from you, it's really hard to get anything out of anybody. And you'll exactly. go to them and they'll say, God, you were so great to work with. I work with other photographers and it, they don't bring this out of me, right? That's so much of the talent that I think a lot of people don't realize about photographers that are working with people is the ability to make those people feel comfortable. And it's not, it's not an easy one to train. You kind of either have it or you don't. And while we're talking about your photography, folks that are listening, I want you to make sure that you check out, I know it's in the show notes, you can click on it there, but go to Mr. Mr. NYC. New York City, MrNYCSubway.com. And that's where you can check out Dre's work. You can look at his work. Um, 
You can buy his work. You can check out his great partnerships. Man, you are a dresser. How did you get all these partnerships with all these great bespoke suit makers? And pretty impressive. So again, that's kind of um, and, and just kind of a side note. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. But I scroll through and see who you're, who you uh, can you kick down some suits? What size are you? Yeah, so like, uh, <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'm in discussions with like big companies like Brooks Brothers, but yeah, yeah. Samuelson, Alton Lane, um, yep. doing some big things right now with this company called Parmigiani. They're a huge watch company, like minimum watch. Saw that not not cheap watches. Yeah, They're like quarter million dollar watches. Exactly. So. Yeah. But again, it's, it's this evolution, right? You got to, at the end of the day, all this is, is practice. Um, and it's something again, that kind of goes back to, I never thought I would model, uh, you know, just like I never thought I would ever be a photographer, but it kind of happened naturally through the creation process. And I saw, Hey, you know, if I can start to, you know, model myself on my account, then potentially I can work with brands. Um, and I got my first, you know, break with Alton Lane. The creative director loved what I was doing. He felt my passion. He gave me an opportunity. And so it's just it's just getting those opportunities um, and then just practicing, practicing and evolving to where, yeah, now it's like I'm working with really good brands and the work is really, really good. So that didn't take you long. This thing started to blow up in a matter of weeks, months. It wasn't too long before you started really having some some success and partnerships, right? Well, you know, no, it's been, you know, I would say my first partnership was like maybe a year and a half, two years ago, but no, there's been, there's been kind of speed bumps along the way. And yeah, it's, again, it's kind of like, I think working with brands, the big thing you really want to do and what I've learned is you want to make sure it's a good fit, right? You don't want to work with a brand, uh, uh, promise everything for them. And then realize when you go to create the content, like it just doesn't flow well naturally with what you do viewers are going to notice that they're going to notice if, Hey, you know, you're doing a partnership with a clothing company that you don't like, or that's kind of cheap. And like when you put on their t-shirts and you take photos on the subway, it looks, it looks boring and stupid. Mm -hmm. You really trust your viewers. That's an interesting thing. You were, you were saying earlier that as a, as a creator, as a photographer, whether or not you call yourself an artist, you really trust, you really trust the feedback that you get from the, the viewers, the followers, the people who follow your pages at large, and that guides your creative output. And, and I find that really interesting because I know a lot of creatives be like, ah, you know, I'm, I do my thing and, and what do the masses know, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and again, I, you know, the way I kind of rationalize it is, you know, Jeff Be- Bezos of Amazon, he says, obsess over your customer experience, right? Obsess over that as opposed to focusing on your competition left and right, look forward and pay attention to what the customer wants. Right. And I, I view it the same way, you know, in essence, my social media accounts are a business, right? You know, at the core of it, they're my passion and creative outlet. But now as they grow, they start to develop, they generate income. So they start to become businesses. So I have always been, and I, this is one thing I love about Instagram and TikTok is I love the feedback process. I love where, you know, people like, they comment, they engage on posts that are quality posts um, or the opposite where they kind of say, Hey, this wasn't as good as, as you thought it was. And, and, and this is kind of my, my, the beauty to this is that the feedback I get from, from my viewers, I always am at the end of the day in agreement with it. 95% of the time I'm like, you guys were right. It wasn't as good as I thought, or you guys are right. It was amazing. And I thought it was amazing. There's probably been a few times where I've said, Hey, this was great work, but people didn't realize it. Um, and that's fine. 
But yeah, at the end of the day, like I, my core is do what I love and, and be who I am. But I definitely pay attention to the viewers and their responses and their feedback because, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's kind of, that's really what counts a lot in this business is getting, getting views, getting comments, getting likes, you know, the algo, that's what it pays attention to. And that's how you go viral. So if I'm posting and everything does terrible, then it's not going to go anywhere and brands aren't going to want to work with me. But if I'm posting and getting thousands of likes and thousands of comments and millions of views, then brands are going to want to work with me. So again, I kind of equivocate what Jeff Bezos is doing to what I'm doing and saying, hey, obsess over what people um, like and what they don't like. And, and again, really evaluate what it does for me is it makes me evaluate the work, right? If something sucks and doesn't do well, then I really want to evaluate and say, hey, this is why it was good. This is why it was bad. And this is how I can get better. So I really take it as criticism. Um, and you have to, to how I can become better at my craft. That's great. So, so Dre spent three years on the subway, not open to it and spent three years being frustrated, having a good career, you know, working out at Equinox, doing all the things, <laughs> but uh, but not open to the rest of his story. And then one day, perspective shift. And now, check it out. This is incredible to me, guys. Even two years ago, even two years ago, you weren't even touching the New York art scene. And now you're doing gallery shows. I mean, you're deep in the scene. Does that ever, Super does that ever amaze you? Do you ever get moments where you feel like you're not sure if you belong? Or is it like you said, it's just been so smooth and so organic that it it uh, it fits you like a like a Sartoria Vani suit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they make amazing suits, by the way. Um yeah, again, it's it's all felt very again, that's kind of the it's all felt very natural, right? Oh, that's great. But I do I do have to say this, being a photographer and trying to break into the art world with people who paint and people who make originals, you know, um to get their respect is very hard to do because a lot of people look at photography as just anyone can do it, right? Yeah. So to define myself, and that's kind of my, my bio on Instagram is I'm an artist with a camera, is I have to let people know. And, and at the end of the day, I don't really care um, when it comes to, to that kind of mindset. I don't care what people think of me. Um, I believe in myself. I know who I am and I know that I am an artist with a camera, but you do have to break through those barriers. And, um, and yeah, so there's definitely been moments in my career and, and still going forward where I know a lot of artists a question, you know, who is this guy? What, he, what is he doing? But I'm telling you, like within minutes of getting to know who I am and looking at my Instagram, people get it. They're like, yeah, this is really cool. It's very different. And he's doing something uh, different from the rest. And I think that's what being an artist is, is being who you are at your core and expressing yourself. And it can be with a paintbrush. It can be with a camera. Uh, it can be with cakes. It can be with your kids. There's so many different ways to express yourself as an artist. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's what makes humans unique from all other species is we have imagination. We have creativity. We can imagine something that hasn't even happened yet. Um, so we all have creativity within us. It's just a matter of figuring out how to express it. And I think every artist understands that. Like you can't tell me that I'm a photographer and I, I can't be an artist because I don't paint, um, you know, portraits of people. Um, so at the end of the day, I think every artist knows it's just about expressing yourself um, and we all have creativity within, within us. And mine is being channeled through a camera. That's great. So real quick, I, I want to just not forget this. Subway Creatures Calendar. You're doing a partnership with Subway Creatures Calendar, right? Yeah. 
Where do we get our hands on the Subway Creatures calendars? So, so Rick, Subway Creatures is an awesome IG. Is it, it's just uh, it's just Subway Creatures on Instagram, right? Yeah, just one 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 word, Subway Creatures. Um, yeah. So Rick and I, and he keeps a very you know close eye on everyone on the subway, right? So when when I came around, he he noticed me, and he and the thing I love about Rick is like he's always looking for something new and fresh, and I think for him too is like a lot of his content is always like you know, kind of nasty and kind of crazy. And, and so whenever something kind of new comes around and, and here was this crazy guy with a camera trying to promote all the positivity on the subway, he's like, what's this? So early in my career, before I even had like 10,000 followers, he followed me and I was like, holy, sh-, you know, Rick from Subway. like, I didn't even know who Rick was. I'm like, subway creatures follow me. I'm like, that's awesome. Right? Like that's a point of recognition. Um, but, uh, but anyways, he and I became super good friends and he reached out to me and he said, Hey, I want to do a calendar for subway creatures. I want you to be the photographer. I have 10 different subjects we're going to capture. And like, you know, the most, wait till you see the calendar, but the most unique, uh, interesting people in New York city who use the subway that he's come across through his accounts, yeah. he reached out to them. And a lot of people said, no, it was funny, but, uh, the ones that, that got into the calendar and, uh, the ones we ended up photographing were the perfect ones for it. Um, but he, so he pulled in these interesting people, you know, guys who wear helmets to, um, you know, to, to Johan, my little green statue guy. Um, right. But anyway, so we photographed 10 different people and actually this process started about two years ago. We were going to launch this in 2019, but we had someone who we photographed pull out. So we didn't have, you know, cause he's going to be a month. I'm going to be a month. So we only had nine people. So we couldn't do it in 2019. And then whatever happened, 2020 rolled around. We didn't do it. I did my own calendar. But this year, Rick is like, we're doing this. We're getting it out. And I'm like, let's do it. So I'm into it. I'm going to buy some for giveaways for the Super Bowl Club. I'm I'm into what Rick, Rick, I'm into what you're doing. I love it. So at Subway Creatures, you guys, at Subway Creatures on Instagram. So yeah, we so we're 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 done. We got all the photos done, curated. He he got the calendars. I think he already put an order in. But we're gonna launch this on October nineteenth. His account, oh, okay. my account. Um, but yeah, th- these are calendars that have been a work in, in about you know two and a half years of progress. But they're gonna be amazing. The photos for each individual are so cool. Um, and yeah, they'll be priced reasonably. I think twenty dollars for an unlimited amount of uh, calendars. And then we're going to do a limited edition where we're going to sign them for $50. And I think just a hundred of those. So. Oh, awesome. Well, really set, cool. set aside one for me. I'll definitely buy one of those and I'll I buy got you. several for the club uh, as giveaways. I got you. You know, something tells me I could be wrong here, but I just got the feeling that you're not going to be satisfied snapping subway photos forever. You know, it's funny. It's a great conversation because people tell me all the time from my mom to like, you know, other professionals like Dre, you know, why do you limit yourself just to the subway? You know, do more than that. Right. But at the end of the day, I just tell them like, that's my creative playground. Like that's where I, I get my inspiration. So to this day, I don't see myself deviating and going down a different road as far as content creation goes from my point of view. Um, but what I could see happening at some point is, is opening up like an agency, like a digital okay. agency where I advise kind of like Gary Vee, like I advise, you know, businesses, like, here's how you should do your TikTok. Here's how you should do your Instagram. You know, tell me what you want to do, what kind of brand, uh, you know, motive, like, um, story you want to put out and, and we'll right. portray that through content creation. I have a team that will create for you. So I could see myself at some point deviating from my current path and kind of going, you know, a wider scale. But, but really when it comes down to it for my creation process 
and me creating, you know, with my fingers on my camera, taking photos and video, it's the New York City subway or it's nothing. I mean, I, I could definitely go around the world love it. and go to different subways, Paris, Berlin, you know, London and create on their subways too. Um, but there's something about the subway environment for photography purposes. There's an aesthetic to it um, that people don't realize, but the lighting is great. The depth is great. The color contrast is great. When you get the right stations with the right lighting, there's no better photography in my opinion. And I don't. Yeah, you've always got those lines going away from you exactly. at an angle and everything. Yeah, no, I, I see it. I feel you. And I don't. I, 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 I don't use flash. I don't. You know, I I just yeah. did some studio work for this watch company where I had photos taken of me, and the photos are brilliant. But I never. I don't see myself going into the studio and like loving that work. I could do it, but but right now in this moment, I love taking photos and video on the New York city subway. It could change. And I have no idea. Again, this is an evolution that continues to, to progress and go in different directions. So anything could happen, but, but my creativity is sparked. Um, and it's at its highest level on the New York city subway. Well, I love what you're doing, man. I really do. Which is why we're talking right now. Glad that, uh, that, that you came into my, my feed. Thank you, Cass. Yeah. Thank you, Cass. It's all you, it's all you, Cass. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, matchmaker. Hey, so we do a super nice challenge where our guest gets to issue a challenge to super nice club members, you know, just something they can do to make their world and their world a little bit nicer place. Uh, do you have anything? Do you have a challenge you can issue? Yeah. So my, my challenge to everyone is to do something creative every single day. And, and it could be anything, right? It can be cooking food, you know, like I, I find creativity when I make my own dinners, my own lunches, my own breakfast. Um, to, you know, finding some sort of passion hobby, if it's garden, you know, going in your garden and, you know, arranging your flowers to, um, to photography or to baking cakes or whatever it is, you know, uh, raising your children. But every day, no matter what you're doing and no matter what your grind is, try to do something creative because I truly believe creativity is the root of all good. I truly believe when we're creative, it brings out the best in us. And so for me, again, I'm a lawyer, uh, eight to six, Monday through Friday. I have that grind in my life, but every day I find some sort of outlet, some way to channel my energy to be creative and it, it helps. So I think it's therapeutic for the mind. I think it's therapeutic for the soul. And my challenge to everyone is, is go be creative. If it's for five minutes, an hour, uh, 10 hours a day, but just go find something that you can channel your creativity into. And, and I always say this, that everyone is creative. You might not know what it is yet. And the best way to find out is to just explore and try things. Um, but, but, but just go find something that, that allows for that, that um, release of energy um, every single day. And again, it can be for a minute or five minutes, but just go find something to be creative every single day. Excellent. Challenge accepted. I, I accept that challenge. Uh, try to do it in the mornings, get some writing done every morning, but yeah. that, you know, I need to be better about that because I, uh, you know, things come up, right? That morning routine. So maybe folks, if you want to accept this challenge, build it into your routine, build like a five or 10 minute creative window in your morning routine or your whatever afternoon, evening routine, uh, before you hit Equinox. That's the challenge. A little bit, a little something creative every day. I love it. Thanks a lot for that one, Dre. No, of course. Do you have a question for me? This is the part where we, we, we flip the, uh, the microphone around the yeah. camera, whatever, I went on uh, anything you want. I, w I went on your website. I saw that you do photography, right? Occasionally. 
I, I used to do it a lot. I haven't uh, in the last couple of years. I was really addicted to Polaroid photography. Yeah. So um, back when it was a thing of taking part in a documentary around that. And uh, matter of fact, the next guest, or is it the prior guest? Depends on how I where we slot these in. Is the guy who saved Polaroid, Florian Caps from Austria. So yeah, I was I was deep into the the photo scene. What so. In general, what what did you enjoy photographing? What captured your eye? And again, like for me, it's the New York City subway. What for you pulls you in as a photographer? Oh, it's a great question because over the years that would sort of change. When it was Polaroids, they they tended to be square format. I shot mostly the um, in- integral film, you know, like the Polaroid 600, the SX 70s, um, you know, the kind of shoot out of the camera, you know, so that was a square format thing before Instagram came along. And so I really got into that because the challenge of shooting square was really interesting to me as someone who traditionally had shot, well, more of a wide format, like a normal camera, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so I found that really interesting. And I found, uh, that it, the Polaroid made me get up close you know, my whole thing I learned to be was get as close as you think you need to be now get closer, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Especially especially pre-digital where you can't just go in and crop it and zoom in there later. You know, you're exactly. working with so much data, you can just grab it later. Um, and so I love things for a long time that I could get in close, close on people, close on faces, close on hands, close on um, objects, things like that. And then when the Polaroid thing went away for me, Um, I started getting more into, and this isn't really reflected much on my, my website, but I started getting more into, I like to take, I like to walk around at night and take photos, uh, because there's a lot of things that people don't see at night. You know, there's a lot of light, there's a lot of windows and the lighting that comes out of windows. I don't, I don't use a flash either. I tend to never use a flash as a matter of fact, which means if you're walking around at night, having a digital camera, especially a, a, a decent modern one. They're incredible now. You can pretty much shoot underwater in the dark yep. and get a great shot, yep. right? Um, but you know, bring a little a little um, tripod with me, one of those little ones that that grip on the different onto poles and things. Yep. You know what I'm talking about with your articulated legs? Yep. Yeah, the, the Joby, the Joby. Thank you. I'm not, there's a brand name. I, <laughs> so walking around, uh, as a matter of fact, I moved to Los Angeles um, about a year ago, but COVID is really sort of made exploring the town a little difficult. My plan was, as you know, Los Angeles is sort of big. My plan was to grid the whole city into uh, approximately one mile squares and then possibly subdivide those on a map. And then each day, three nights a week, walk around with my camera and explore the city grid by grid. Okay. Uh, and you know, just shoot it as I go. Like shooting people like street photography, or do you like capturing, you know, homes or cars? Is there something I, I, I like to have, typically I like to have people in the shot. It doesn't have to be about the person, but I don't, if there's a photo of a car and there's not a person walking by it, I'm not as into it. Gotcha. You know? So you like, street um, yeah, I, I like street photography. That's where I've been at for a while now. And that's not something that I, uh, I just do that for the release of it. Exactly. You know, more than is professional. It feels good. And cameras now have gotten so small that it's not like you have to carry around. Like my my camera for years has just been this big Nikon, uh, the D700. 
right? It's a big black phallic thing that you're shoving in people's faces when you shoot, right? Yeah. Uh, now you can, Sony and others have come around with cameras that are just real small and, and they don't look like much. They don't look like a quote unquote serious camera unless you know what you're looking, unless you know what you're looking at. And so it makes street photography easier than ever. And so do phones for Christ's sake. Phones take great photos. Exactly. Great photos. I, I always so, say as long as, as long as whatever camera I have can capture what I'm seeing, I don't care what it is. Right. It could be my iPhone, yeah. my, my amazing, you know, 5d Mark four, but as long as the camera can capture what my eye sees, um, you know, and it doesn't like blur it out or put like a nasty yellow in it. Um, mm-hmm. then, then whatever tool you have is sufficient. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the, the, like you were saying earlier, like the phones, they do have algorithms they use to fake the bokeh, but it still doesn't work for me, especially because that's what I fell in love with Polaroid for was that incredible bokeh that those cameras give you. Uh, when it comes to like very like high quality, you know, I'll never use my iPhone again for like during a photo shoot because the lenses are just, they're, they're so amazing. These 50 millimeter, these 8.5s with a oh, yeah. 1.4, yeah. 1.2 aperture. It's like, it's insane. Yeah. Anyway, so that's 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 what I'm into. Now I use photography more as a way to when I'm stuck on a writing project, I'll jump into photography for a little while uh, just to have sort of a different part of my creative mind working. And it, it invariably will get me unstuck. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It sounds like, so. you know, when you do photography, you're out walking around, you know, you're seeing, you know, Mother Nature, you're seeing people. Um, you're in motion too. And I, I think, uh, you know, that in itself is just a huge outlet, right? And and, and the, it is. the big thing too that I've noticed with photography and a, a big reason why I love it is you're present. You know, when you're in those moments and you're looking around and you're walking through the neighborhoods and you're, t- you're fully present and, you know, everyone talks about meditation and the idea of meditation is just being present. It's the same thing for photography. My meditation in many ways, and it sounds like for you too, is you're, you're being fully present in that moment. You're not thinking about the, the future. You're not thinking about the past. You're just thinking about what's in front of you and capturing that. And, and you know, basically you are allowing your mind to be, uh, to relax, right? You're allowing it to be present. And that in itself is cathartic. And, and that's a big part of the reason why I fell in love with photography is because it allows for you to be present and it allows for your mind to stop thinking about stuff in the past or future. And, and it sounds like for you, um, it, it provides that type of um, meditation and that type of release. And I, I it really does. You, and I'll tell you what, Dre, I'll often go out for a photo walk and not take a single picture. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know? Uh, yeah. And I'll often, it's just, it's, I have the camera with me and it just has me looking at my neighborhood or a neighborhood exactly. in a little bit different way. And that's the value of it for me. Capturing it, I'm, Nine times out of ten, I'm never looking at that photo again. No, I got right. I got you. Yeah. But, anyway, but you're enjoying that moment, you know, and I think that's the most important thing in all of this. And and something, you know, a good thing to end on is if you are enjoying the process in life, if you're not thinking about the end results, you know, you're not thinking about once you make the money or once you get this amount of followers, but you're just enjoying the process itself. Yeah, that's when you know you're on the right path. And that's when I knew I was on the right path because I always, you know, when I would go do this stuff, when I would go on my photo shoots or go do street, I enjoyed that moment and I would come home feeling good about myself and just enjoying the process. So if you enjoy the process, that's a huge indication that it's something you're passionate about and you should keep pursuing. 
Amen to that. Amen to that. And I've really enjoyed talking with you, Dre. I Likewise. appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Likewise. And look forward to the calendar, the yeah. Subway Creature calendar, and, and just everything else you do. Thank you for this opportunity. I will hit you up when I'm in New York next. And, yeah. you know, when I come out, I'll we'll hit you up. So there you have it. Nice work with Mr. NYC Subway. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I know I sure did. Uh, I get inspired. I get inspired by photographers, I guess, because I do fair amount of photography myself. Hey, why don't I do a plug for myself? If you want to check out my photography, toddbrilliant.com. Just one D, T-O-D, brilliant.com. Website's a little janky. You may not love the photos, but I like them. I'm, I'm biased, but I like them. I also really like the work of Mr. NYC Subway. And I just think that uh, this idea that we don't have to be the best to get started. It's such a hang up for a lot of folks. It's a hang up starting this podcast, knowing that I wouldn't, not only would I not be the best, but I'd be kind of bad. Go back and listen. Go back and listen to my first podcast. They're not that great. The hosts are great, but I'm all over the place. The audio quality is all over the place. It still is. But I now, I have a passion for it. I kind of dig doing it. It's a lot of fun. And that is the path. And that is where Andreas went. It's where I'm going. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to it. And so I hope a takeaway for some of you is that even if you're not great at what it is that you want to do, just do it anyway. Who gives a damn? Get in there, mix it up, and get better as you go. Don't be embarrassed because nobody's watching. Unless, unless you're dancing. If, you, if you're no good at dancing, don't dance in front of a bunch of people because they are watching. They say they're not, but yeah, they're watching and they're talking about it later. So anyway, <laughs> oh, thanks for listening in, everybody. Really appreciate it. If you have any feedback for the podcast, leave it anywhere and everywhere. Uh, again, the Super Nice Insiders, 310-421-0393. Just text nice or super nice or your podcast sucks, but one day could be nice to that number. And you'll be a Super Nice Club Insider where you can get free stuff, um, win vacations to Mars with the... Uh, Elon and, and uh, Jeff Amazon, Bezos, Bezos, I don't know. Maybe, maybe part of that's not true, but just do it. Just become a super nice club insider because we've got a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. Just wait till after this super nice election comes and you'll see just how much work that those of us who aren't going to let ourselves get angry. I don't care what side you're on. I don't. We can be nicer to each other. It's true. That's all I got. Stay nice, everyone. Just wanna